Well, what a great time of worship that we have had this morning here in Colonial Heights. And I know out there in Midlothian, they've had a great time of worship also. And now we continue in our study, our, our look at core values. You know, we've been using that phrase about the core values of our family. I hope we're not miscommunicating in that because they should be God's core values, right? A church can't have a set of values that God doesn't have. So it's not like we dream these values up or we've decided that these are ours alone. Uh, these are what we pray are God's values for the church. And boy, did we see that last week. Man, as we looked at that value of, of living in community together, of loving one another... Man, we saw that the church is to be a place where, where love guides our relationships and we have committed, engaging, growing relationships. Jesus said our relationships are together are to literally make the world stop and notice our, our, the way we relate draws attention to itself. And boy, we saw that G as Jesus was going to the cross... This was so important to him that that's what he was talking about the night before. And, and this loving one another, we saw that get expanded out. Do you remember last week the one anothering list? Man, over 30 commands all throughout the New Testament about what that love for one another does, what that love for one another does not do. Like I said, this is an engaging love. This is a committed relationship. It's one that we said, hey, this is where we get the idea that we're to be members. We're to be a member of the church, a, a formal, official member engaged with each other. But not just having our name on a roll somewhere, but that as a member, we're moving forward in those relationships where we're growing together in the Lord, serving together in the Lord, worshiping together in the Lord. And it is that togetherness that is the value of our church. And today we come to a fifth core value. And, and this is kind of like part two of last week. It, it's love in action. These two things go hand in hand. And that is a culture of serving. We want to have a culture of serving here in our church family. Now, before I start talking about that, I want to talk about what I did not talk about last week. I want to talk about what I'm not going to talk about today. And that's the benefits. You know, there are tremendous benefits to obedience. We believe that, right? Amen. Yeah, a little bit louder would have been awesome. Uh, yeah, we believe that, hey man, when you, when you obey... Man, God's commands are for our good. They're for our well-being. So when we're loving, when we're serving, there's going to be benefits to that. And, and you know what? We need those benefits for one reason, not only for our good, but those benefits motivate us. Because let's be honest, loving, serving can be challenging sometimes, can it? And, and it is those benefits, I think, that motivate us. I think that's why it says in, in Psalm 103, verse 2, do not forget any of his benefits and yet I'm not going to talk about the benefits I'm not really going that while they're God-given benefits while God gives us those not only for our well-being but our motivation I'm not really going there today because I'm feeling challenged by this is it enough that Jesus tells me to that's a big question is it enough that Jesus tells me to. What if I, and this is real folks, this is not hypothetical. 
What if I don't perceive any real benefit? At least in this moment, in this sliver of time, or maybe it's with this particular person, what if I don't perceive any benefit of loving or serving in this moment? Is it enough that Jesus asks me to? Oh, folks, I believe he's worthy. I believe he's worthy whether we get anything out of it or not. And you see, here's the thing. While we want to say yes, you know, we have a nature and we have a culture that says no. Our nature is selfish. Our culture is consumerism. And when you combine those two things, you know what you get? You get one great big guiding principle in life. What's in this for me? How is this serving me? How is this helping me? How is this advancing me? It's always down in there rolling around. And I want to get to a place where Jesus is worthy, whether it's doing anything for me or not. Last week, we went to the upper room to understand that core value of loving, and we're going to return to the upper room. We're, we're going back there again today to understand this core value of serving. Would you turn with me this morning to John chapter 13? John chapter 13, fourth book into the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Get to Acts or Romans, you've gone too far, back up. John chapter 13, and folks, before we even say that, let me just put it out there, benefits aside... We're going to say today that we should faithfully, that we should sacrificially serve because of the model of Christ, because of the sacrifice of Christ, because of the command of Christ, we should do this. Look with me, John chapter 13, we're going to begin in verse 1. It says there, now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come, to depart from this world. Now let me just stop right there. I know I've got even a full sentence into it. But, but you remember last week we opened, we started by saying, hey, what would be important to you if you knew you were dying tomorrow? Under that idea that, man, if we know the, this is the end, then we're doing the things that are most important, right? We're really thinking about the priorities. And we said that we know that Jesus values us loving one another because that's what he was talking about literally hours before he was to be betrayed, arrested, tortured, and, and killed. That's what he was thinking about. And, and that's what we see right here. He knows this is it. This is my hour. This is what I've come for. This is the end. And so what we see flowing out of the rest of this passage, he's doing on purpose, knowing it's the end. Knowing then, hey, this is what I value. Let's look, read on. Verse 2. During supper, when the devil, devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands... And that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and he began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. 
Obviously, this is not something we do in our culture. It was really kind of a regular and, and common thing in their culture, especially if you went to, to somebody's home. If it was a, a nice home and it was somebody of means, they usually had a servant. And, and as you came into their home, that, that servant would wash your feet. It was an act of kindness and maybe it was just an act of necessity. You know, they're walking around barefooted. They're, they're walking around in sandals. The, the streets are dusty. They're dirty. And, and that's probably the nicest way to leave it. Because the reality is there's also garbage in the streets. There's sewage in the streets. Feet got pretty dirty. And, and so maybe you were being kind. Maybe you just didn't want them tracking that into your house, huh? And, and so you would come in and you'd sit down and, and somebody could, would wash your feet. Now, if you can just imagine that scenario, you obviously, that's not a task anybody wants. Nobody, hey, is somebody doing foot washing? Can I sign up for that? Can, can I do that here in this house? You know, it's, it's a humbling task. It, it, it is a lowly task. And now you see Jesus taking that on for these disciples. Now, I want to note two things before we move on. Notice it says there that as he's doing this, he's very aware of what Judas is about to do, right? You imagine that? Jesus kneeling and washing the feet of the man that literally, I, I don't know what the exact time would be, maybe hour, hour and a half, maybe two hours, Judas is going to betray him. And you have somebody in your life a little bit difficult to serve, a little bit difficult to love. You know what, folks? I'm not giving any guidance on that this morning. You know, there's boundaries. There's tough love. There's discipline. But folks, as we think about taking on the loving and the serving of people that aren't always very pleasant to love and to serve, I would just say this. See what Jesus wants you to see this morning. See what He wants you to see. The second thing I would point out in this verse, these verses I just read is, notice it says that as Jesus did this, he does this in the knowledge of who he is, right? Hey, I know who I am. I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. And that's what gives them a sense of confidence. You know why we don't serve? Because I, I, don't, I don't want somebody to think I'm in that low position. Man, we, we spend a lot of our lives, folks, trying to look like we're on top of things, that we're large and in charge, that we have power, that we have control. I don't want to be in a position that looks like somebody has control over me. I don't want to be in, in something lowly. Maybe we just plain don't want to be there. We don't other, want others to see us that way. Jesus doesn't seem to be bothered by that at all. But that's because he knows, hey, this is a temporary moment. Eternity is settled. I know who I am in eternity. I know where I came from. I know where I'm going. I know my position. And since that's secure, I can bow. I can stoop. I can do what this moment in the temporary needs. Folks, what Jesus would say of himself, you and I can say. And we know who we are. I'm a child of God. And, and my eternity is settled. My eternity is secure. I've got an eternity of greatness out there in front of me. So I don't need to be worrying about what this moment in the temporary causes me, costs me, makes others think of me. I do what's necessary in the temporary knowing eternity is settled. Amen? Amen. Verse 6. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, do you wash my feet? You know what? It's kind of awkward, even humbling, to have somebody humbly serve you, isn't it? You ever had somebody just humbly and really sacrificially do something and it made you almost feel awkward? 
Made you feel uncomfortable? I mean, that's probably what's happening to Peter here. Verse 7, Jesus answered him, What I'm doing, you don't understand now. But afterward, after what? After he gets done cleaning his feet? No, after the cross. Because that's the bigger issue here, folks. It's not the dirt on our feet. After the cross, you will understand what this is about. Peter said to him, you'll never wash my feet. Now listen to Jesus' answer. This is profound for every person in this room. If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Now what's going on here, folks? Actually, verses 6 to 11 could almost be lifted out as a separate message, as a separate sermon. And Jesus is saying, hey, listen, I am humbly yielding myself to y'all's, all of ours, need. I am humbly yielding myself to wash you. Yes, in this moment, what we see physically happening is a foot washing. But he says, hey, listen, there's a bigger issue. You're going to understand it later. And it's not your feet. It's your soul. Because your soul is a lot more filthy than your feet. And if you're not washed by me, you have no part with me. Now let me say it again, folks. We can stop. And the message today is about Jesus' humble service. But that's why I say 6 through 11 can almost be lifted out. Because the question is, can you and I humbly place ourselves under the humble service of Jesus? Can we say, man, I need what Jesus is doing. I am wholly and totally dependent upon what Jesus is doing. I've got to humbly receive this act of washing because my soul can't be clean without Him. And without Him, I have no part with Him. Let me ask you a question this morning. I trust that many people in this room have received that washing. But let me ask the question, have you received that washing? I'm sure there are some in this room who would say, no, I have not. Or maybe there's some in this room who say, well, you know what, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. Let me ask, tell you here, folks, as you look at what Jesus is saying, it's not a process, is it? You're not kind of, sort of clean. You're not on the one day going to be clean. You you're, you're either have a part with Christ or you don't. You've either been washed or you have not. And I want to tell you right now, I want you to start thinking and praying about this. At the end of our service, there's going to be an opportunity for you to talk to somebody about how that washing, how you become a part of Christ, how that can take place in your life. Man, if you don't know that, if you're not sure of that, let me, let me encourage you right now to begin praying. God, is that, is that what needs to happen in my life? Is that what I need to do when this time is over? Let's jump on to verse 12. When he had washed their feet, put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I've done to you? You you call me teacher and Lord, and you're right, I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Verse 15, if you have your own Bible, this is a good one to underline. I have given you an example. Okay, everything we just read, folks, was done very purposely. Jesus is going to the cross and he says, you know, as I'm going there, as I'm about to leave, I want to stamp this image on your mind. I want to leave this picture in your life. This is an example you are to pick up. He says, I am leaving you this example 
so that you should do just as I have done for you. Now again, back up to verse 12. Jesus says, hey guys, you understand what's just happened here? You, you, you call me teacher and Lord, and, that, and that's right, that's good. I am above you. Okay, now it's important that he points that out because that's part of the example, isn't it? I'm above you. I don't owe you anything. And yet, what am I doing? I am stooping, I am kneeling, and I am humbly serving you. That's the example I'm leaving you. That is what I'm wanting you to see. Now we know he's going to to serve them sacrificially on the cross, but even it's sacrificial in washing their feet. You think about it, folks, what does Jesus get out of that? What does he get out of serving in that? I can't imagine he gets anything out of that. And that's a part of the picture, isn't it? Jesus is showing us a selfless service. Are there benefits? Yes, they are. Another great sermon. Another great set of passages. But Jesus is modeling for us a selfless service. Jesus is commanding of us a selfless service. Man, what a beautiful way to do that, isn't it? What, What a beautiful way to portray that message. Now... You kind of have to ask, did they get it? Did, did they get the message? Did they, did they understand the message? Let, let's see if they did. Turn back with me to Luke. Turn back to Luke 22. If you're in John, go to the left, one book. Luke 22, verse 24. Now, while we're leaving John, we're not leaving the upper room. We're still in the upper room. We're still in this course of events. And John or Luke records a conversation that John does not record. Now in my imagination, and that's all it is, is my imagination. In my imagination, I see the Holy Spirit kind of leading John to record this conversation. And John says, Holy Spirit, do I have to write this down? We look like such idiots. And the Holy Spirit says, yeah, you really do. I'll tell you what, you don't have to. I'll get Luke to do it. Let's see what Luke records in this conversation. Verse 24. A dispute also rose among them as to which of them, can you believe this, was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, and I think it doesn't say it here, but I think he says, guys, really? Are you kidding me? He, he says, the kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest and let the leader as one who serves. For who is the greater? The one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines? Listen to this profound verse. This ought to be a memory verse. It's really short. Every one of us should remember it. But I am among you as one who serves. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials, and I assign to you, as my Father assigned to me a kingdom, that you may eat and drink at my table in the kingdom, and sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Now folks, I think you've got it, but let me, let me just make sure that you, you see the flow, you see the timing of things going on. They arrive in the, in, in the upper room, I don't know what time it is, early evening, Maybe it's beginning to get dark and, and they come in and they've started the supper. Now, understand, they're there to celebrate the Passover supper. The Passover supper is a long event with a lot of different pieces, a lot of different segments. A part of that is going to be lifted out and given brand new meaning in what you and I call what? 
the Lord's Supper. But, but this, this Passover event has begun. It's a long evening. And, and in the midst of that, Jesus gets up and he washes their feet. He, he leaves them that example, that, that picture of humbling, selfless service. But then as he leaves that washing of feet, he moves into what you and I call the Lord's Supper and he starts to talk about how his body is going to be broken and his blood is going to be spilled so that you and I can be clean. Not not our feet, but our soul. And so that we can know God and so that we can live in eternity forever. So, I mean, Jesus is showing them humble service. Jesus is showing them sacrifice. He says, man, I'm going to be killed for you guys. Man, that is awesome, Lord. Now, when this all gets worked out, will I be greater than the other guys? Well, where, where will I get? What's my position in heaven? I mean, really? How do you follow up what Jesus has said, what Jesus has done with that thought and with that question? Now, folks, you know what? The Bible, the Bible does not gloss over our biblical heroes, does it? Man, it shows us their faults. And I think it shows us, I think God shows us their faults because he's wanting us to see these fault, their faults are our faults, aren't they? But honestly, this is a place I think, Lord, surely I had not been dumb enough to ask that question. Surely after you have just washed my feet, you've just told me you're going to die for me, I'm not going to say something that stupid. I mean, how does Jesus at that moment not get up and I think maybe just go down the line and whack each one of them upside the head? And then go to the door and say, I'm done. This is the biggest group of losers I could have accumulated in one room on the planet. I mean, really, how does he not do that? I just absolutely cannot see myself saying that or thinking that. And yet I wonder if that's why God put it there. Maybe I wouldn't have been dumb enough to say it out loud. But would I have been thinking it? Is that what God is trying to show me and you today? Is that we really have this incredible propensity to evaluate every person, every situation, everything with one great standard. What's in this for me? What is this doing for me? And therein lies my reason not to want to look at the benefits today. God-given benefits. Benefits He wants us to remember. Benefits He wants us to focus on. But Jesus is worthy. Whether there's any benefit or not. Jesus is worthy of us loving one another. He is worthy of, a, of this selfless sacrifice. This selfless service. Whether we get anything out of it or not. By the way, did you notice how the passage ended? I mean, I'm literally, I'm thinking, how do you not slap them? And Jesus actually ends the conversation by saying, but with no chastisement. Hey guys, by the way, y'all are going to end up in great positions. You're going to sit with me on 12 thrones. You're going to rule over, you're going to judge the 12 tribes of Israel. He actually says, yeah, guys, you're going to be awesome in the kingdom. You're going to be great. Folks, he'd say the same thing to you and me. Greatness is your eternity. So in the now, in the temporary, I stand among you as one who serves.
Can you and I say that? Can we say that in our home? Can we say it in our church? Can we say it out in our community? I stand among you. Man, I got an incredible eternity. But right now in this life, I stand among you as one who serves. You know, folks, I think believers are to be a people who are serving in in every realm that we walk in life. I think this is not just about an activity. It's a character quality. It's it's who and what we are. We're servants. We serve. And, And I think we should be serving out there in our world, serving out there in our community. Folks, I think best case scenario, what God wants to happen is everywhere believers go, people are constantly saying, man, it's always a believer making things happen. It's always a believer that is making things better. But while we should be out there serving in the community, and folks, I do, my wife does. Man, we're, we volunteer in the schools. I volunteer at the police department. We've done the coaching, been out there on the fields. Let me tell you something, we should be out there. Please hear me saying that. But this command right here actually is not about out there. Remember last week Jesus said, I give you a new commandment, love one another. We said, wait a minute, there's nothing new about that. We're told all over the scripture, love your enemy, love your neighbor, all over the place to love. What was new? It was that one another. There was to be a distinct priority in our lives to hone in and focus on believers everywhere, but clearly that's going to be most fleshed out inside the church, the local church that I'm a part of, that that you're a part of. And we got all of those one anothering commands. Did you notice when I just said, wash one another's feet? Hey, wait a minute, he didn't have that in the list last week. No, I left it out for today. Wash one another. Folks, the phrase one another means inside the body of Christ. For each other as believers. Are we to be serving out there? Yes, we are. But our priority first and foremost is to make sure we're serving in here. That we're serving each other. Now think about what God's service, what Jesus' service, what did it do? Ultimately helps me to know God, right? Because I'm cleansed, I can know God. I can relate with God. I can enjoy God. And that should be the focus of our service too. A serving in a way that enables the opportunity for people to know God, to enjoy God, and to grow in God. Man, folks, our church needs every member to serve. Every member. You know, I'll bet when we pull onto the campus each Sunday morning, it doesn't look like we got a lot of needs, does it? It looks like it's a pretty fine oil machine, huh? Well, partly it's because we have a lot of people who faithfully serve their Lord, amen? But you know, as you pull onto the lot, you think they can't possibly need anybody. Folks, you know what you're not seeing? You're not seeing how many things we don't do well because we don't have enough people serving. You're not seeing the things we don't do at all. We can't do it because we don't have enough people serving. Or you might see us, man, hey, that's happening. It's not only happening, it's happening well, Man, what could it be if everybody was serving? You know, I have uh, not focused on the benefits today, but in our culture of serving here in our church family, we really try to bring out the benefits. You, you saw Debbie a moment ago in the, as we introduced the sermon talking about that class place. 
You know what, folks? We really don't want to be a church that, that hands around the clipboard, you know, trying to get you to sign up to make this event happen. Oh, we're sending it around again. Y'all are all going straight to hell if you don't get 25 names on this sheet. Now, you know what? That happens a lot, doesn't it? We just keep guilting people till we get enough names on the sheet and then we make it happen and nobody's having any fun. I actually believe that a lot of the time serving the Lord should be some fun. We should really have a sense of, of fulfillment and, and productivity. I'm doing something of significance. I'm doing something that, that makes a difference. And that's what that place class is about. It helps you look at your spiritual gifts, your physical gifts and abilities, your background, your experiences, your passions, and really in a very objective way, pull all those things together so we can place you not just where we need you and where we guilted you, no, we can place you where you're going to be able to serve in a way that really is fulfilling to how God wired you. I mean, that, we really want to do that. But folks, whether you take that class or not, and I would encourage you if you've never taken the class, it's very interesting. We got one starting not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, May 15th. It's just four Wednesdays long. Man, whether you take the class or not to figure out where you should be serving, start serving. Jump in somewhere and start serving. You say, man, this is, this is awful. I don't like this at all. Well, then let's find another spot. But you know what? Whether we like it or not at all, whether we find the exact spot at the exact first try, man, isn't he worthy? And didn't he command it, model it, and lead in the sacrifice of it? He is worthy. Man, I want to encourage you today, folks, as you... As you leave here, you got inside your bulletin that card. Man, would you fill that card out? If you're not in a place of service, maybe you're in a place of service and you're saying, you know what, I could be doing more. If, would you fill that out? And, and as we leave here today, when you go out these doors, right to the left of center, as you're facing that way, you'll see our volunteer desk. Go out there and just hand that card. And there'll be some folks there to answer your questions. You can ask them about the place class. Now, when does that start? How long is it? What do I need to do to sign up for it? Maybe, what jobs are available? How can I get involved? What can I do? Do I need to be trained for that? Do I start next Sunday? Do I start middle? When do I? They'll answer all, you, all your questions about that. But, but as you leave, we, we talk about we've worshipped today. Man, we've seen God today. How are you going to respond to Him? When He's bowed humbly to cleanse you. And said, this is the example. This is the model I'm giving you. How will you respond to that? Jesus said, I stand among you as one who serves. Let's pray. Father, I praise you for your work inside this family that has led so many, so many in this room right here, right now, to give you their, their lives, their resources, their energy, their time, their gifts and abilities to serving the kingdom of God. Whether it be in another country, on another campus, whether it be out in the parking lot or in the nursery or teaching a lesson in just a few moments. God, in so many ways, they've given themselves to serving you. God, I'm so grateful to be in a church where so many faithfully and sacrificially answer that call to serve but Lord whether we're doing nothing or whether we're doing everything here on Sunday morning I pray that all of us right now can just think through that thought of Jesus saying I stand in front of you Randy 
as one who serves. Lord, I believe most of us in here would say it's, it's important. We, we believe we should be like Jesus. So God, help me to hear those words that this is what Jesus is like. He is a servant. Selflessly, sacrificially giving himself so that people can know God. And with that example so clearly in front of us, God, would you guide me, guide us in how we respond and what our next step should look like in following you. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.